Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 331 of the Ping Skills Ask the Coach Table Tennis Show, where we answer your questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Uh, thank you, Jeff, and welcome to all you listeners out there. Hope you're enjoying the uh, the podcast over the last few weeks, and um, yeah, and hope you're all staying safe. Absolutely, yes. Um, we're we're staying very safe here. Alois still in lockdown, still with the eight o'clock curfew in uh, in Melbourne. Yep. Um, so yep, certainly are. Um, very good. Now, Alois, I hear yes, a rumor yes. that you have some chickens. I do, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, ten of I them. I used to have some chickens as well. Right. But not anymore. Oh. But it was, but there were, but that's we moved. We didn't kill the chickens. Oh, we gave sure. them away. Okay, okay, yeah. good. They were good. our pets. We couldn't kill them. No, but, yeah, chickens are great, aren't they? Great. You know, when I first had uh, went to get my chickens, though, Alloys. Yeah. I, I wanted to get some little chicks, um, and you know they'd be family pet grow up, and then they give us lots of eggs, and I went to this market to get yep. them. Yeah. And. I, where I was living, you weren't allowed roosters because they make a lot of noise in the morning and it was like yes. a, an area where you're not allowed roosters. So I said to the person, look, I need to make sure that I get some hens. And so can you tell at this age whether they're male or female? And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I reckon like 80%. And I'm like, 80%? That's not bad. He goes, maybe 75 <laughs> And so I got two and guess how many were hens? <laughs> one, one out of two. He was like fifty percent. Fifty percent, yeah. Like he, he, his next customer, he got a hundred percent. That's right, exactly. Anyway, Alice, this show is not about chickens, believe it or not. No, no, but chickens are good. Yeah, no, the eggs are just fantastic. Um, <laughs> had a had a had a ninety-seven gram egg yesterday. Ninety-seven grammer. Yeah, massive. Have, have you had any double yokers yet? No. Oh no. No I got double a few yokers. double yokers, but you never see that in the supermarket anymore. Like when I was a kid, you used to get the old double yoker every now and again, but now you never see it. Or you just like imagining that you used to get them. Definitely used to get them. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. No twin. No twin chickens being born anymore. Isn't that what they're saying? As full as a goog is. I think a goog is a double yoker. Really. And I'm as full as a goog means. It- is, is, is that is that one of your OMG facts for later, or it's not? So it might not be one hundred percent true, but I'll, unlike I'll be, your OMG facts, I'll be looking that up during the show. I'll get yeah. back to you, listeners. What is a goog? <laughs> Full as a goog. Um, oh dear. Now, Alois, I want to know why did the Mexican push his wife off a cliff? I don't know. Why did the Mexican push his wife off the cliff, Jeff? Tequila. (laughs) You you probably should have done it with a bit more pizzazz, you know. But but no, that's that's actually not bad for you. Good work. (laughs) Now you're criticising my delivery, not even just the dogs. Yeah. yeah. More pizzazz. 
pizzazz, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll work on you it know, next time. A lot more pizzazz. With a, with a bit of, you know, Mexican music in the background and a tequila. <laughs> tequila. That's it. Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. Well, oh. thanks for the tip. I'll, I'll work on it. Yeah, sure. No worries. If you need any, uh, yeah, comic, <laughs> comic delivery tips. Oh, dear. You know. Now, today is Thursday the 20th of August. Did anything exciting happen on this day? Well, not exactly, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but on the 18th of August, Jeff, yes. was Yu Ming Yu's birthday. Now, Yu Ming Yu, um, you may ask, who is Yu Ming Yu? She is a Singapore uh, player, um, and today turning 31 years of age, but definitely her biggest claim to fame is being part of the 2010 Singapore women's team that knocked off China at the World Team Championships in Moscow. And uh, I believe that is the last time that that has been done. So Yu Meng Yu. Um, can live off that tale for the rest of her life. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and she—I mean, she's had uh, she's had a lot of uh, good wins. I uh, saw her at the um, Commonwealth Games last year. She's starting to slow down a little bit. Didn't win the gold medal there, but um, but yeah, you mean you? Yeah, very uh, fast, sharp player. Uh, really great to watch. Um, see, saw her in I think 2004 for the first time, 2004 mm. um, Olympics. So yeah, she's won. Um, she has won a gold uh, or five gold medals at Commonwealth Games. Wow. Um, no, no singles, but two teams, two doubles, and a mixed doubles um, gold medal. So uh, yeah, very uh, distinguished player is Yu Ming Yu, and her birthday, 18th of August, and 31 years of age. There you go. There you go. Excellent. All right. Now, before we move on to um, the trill, the tip and drill of the week, Alice, there's this new idea that I've got I want to talk about because there was this comment that was left on one of our video posts, and I thought we should just highlight it because it was such a good comment. Now, one of our most popular videos on youtube is called the most important skill in table tennis and it's been seen over one and a half million times that's a lot of views isn't it that is a lot of views and yeah. you wonder sometimes how how this happens in different videos because this is this video talks about how important it is believe it or not to keep the ball on the table and you know in our defense a lot of people just kind of try and hit the ball too hard don't keep it on the table so I feel like it's a pretty important, you know, point to make. Yeah, exactly, especially when you're starting out. But what what, what was the comment? Well, I think there may be a hint of sarcasm here, but <laughs> but you tell me. So, you know, the video tells you hit the ball on the table and that's the most important skill. And he's he says, this is brilliant. It never occurred to me to hit the ball on the table. I'm always aiming for the ceiling directly above me. I don't win very often unless I'm playing against someone who uses lots and lots of backspin for some reason. <laughs> but I am a little confused. In every professional ping pong match I've ever watched, I seem to recall that in pretty much every point, one of the professionals chooses not to hit the ball on the table. Seriously, almost every point. If they're so good, See? why do they do this? Have they simply not seen this incredibly insightful video? There you go. <laughs> See? 
<laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he's he's really loving the video, Jeff. <laughs> I think so. I mean, yeah. He's yeah. just watched it and saw everyone had watched it and yeah, yeah loved the video. I, I like. I, yeah, yeah, good work. That is very amusing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he, he seems to aim for the ceiling. He aims for the ceiling every time, <laughs> and it only goes on if he's playing against someone who plays with a lot of backspin. That's quite clever. Yeah, um, we, we should we should make a segment out of this, Jeff. Yes, I think so. So let us know if you think comment of the week would be um you know interesting. Yeah, comment of the week. Yeah, <laughs> definitely get get it in there. We want we want comment of the week for the next show. Um, so uh, comments on the uh, website on any of our questions. Yeah. Yep. And uh, if you think you got a particularly good one, just uh, maybe just shoot us an email to make sure we read it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, and so another really good segment in this show, Alloys, is what I said before, the trill of the week. What do you have for us? Yeah, this is an interesting one. It's It, it seems pretty obvious but it's one that i see a lot it's of people... one that we could get another comment of the week on <laughs> i reckon we could <laughs> the, the 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 tip of the week this week is about staying relaxed in matches now it's it's something that we don't probably don't put enough attention on when we're playing matches and and also then when we're training is about you know how relaxed we can be um because i just see a lot of players start to develop tension especially in their shoulders to start off with um, but then you know it starts to creep into other areas into the hand into the fingers um, even into the legs so that you know, so you, you stop moving as quickly so you know just being able to stay a little bit more relaxed is a really important part of being able to perform at your best in a match situation now in training often we're not really that stressed, and so we—it's easy to stay relaxed during um, during a training session. But then, you know, then we go into a match situation, and suddenly um, it feels like it's much more important, and we do ta- start to um, start to tighten up, get a bit more nervous. Um, so yeah, so I think starting to put some attention on your uh, muscles and and the the amount of tension that you've got in your muscles um, during your training session is important, but then also trying to put yourself into some more pressure situations in your training as well. So, you know, often in training, we we're pretty relaxed and casual, try and set up a few situations that where you're, um, where you're putting yourself under a bit more pressure, you know, um, uh, play some, play some little games, um, you know, up to three, up to five, whatever it is, um, get some more critical critical points happening, um, and just see how you uh, learn to uh, learn to be able to relax. And yeah, and that, some yeah. good points there, Al. And I think um, we do have um, some videos in the sports psychology section that talk about this, about trying to match your training to your the level of intensity in your training to the level of intensity in a game, which is good video to check out if you haven't seen that. But then another thing that this raises in my mind is whenever I talk to people about this, they're often worried about being too relaxed. And I'm not sure that that's something they should worry about, but I think people think, don't I need to have some kind of, you know, strength to be able to hit the ball hard? Mm, Yeah. So 
there's um, my my feeling is that in a match situation, you're never going to be too relaxed. Sorry, in an important match situation, you're never going to be too relaxed. Mm. So it's important to to try and bring yourself down to be able to relax a little bit more. Um, but I think it manifests itself, you know, in in that tension in the muscles, and and you can really start to feel that it's more effort um, to play to play your strokes. You don't want that effort and um, and your muscles fighting against each other um, when when you're trying to play a, a shot, you know. So I talked about the shoulder before. So if you just um, if you are sitting there or hopefully you're not driving or if you're driving, maybe you can use your other arm, one arm. <laughs> but, um, but try to try to play a forehand swing and then really tighten up your shoulder and then try and play the forehand swing. And you'll just see the different amounts of effort that it takes to get the bat to move in the same uh, same manner. You know, so... Obviously, in a match situation, you want to be trying to relax that shoulder so that your bat moves through um, easier, faster, and with less effort. Because by the end of the match, if you're always fighting against it yourself um, physically, then you also get a lot more tired. Um, and then that's when you really start to feel um, some aches and pains in your in your muscles and um, and and body. Um, and I often. Um, used to think that in in a tournament you know you get sore you know under the arm in the lats in the in the um triceps um that i never ever got um in the training situation and that's just because of that extra tension that uh, that develops in your arms and and different areas in, yeah. In mm-hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense and um and in fact alloys i think the, um there's a question that we're talking about in today's show, which I might yeah. jump to now from hand. Yep. You yep. said nice video about relaxation and efficient strokes because we just put out a new video on exactly this. That you know, one simple trick to improve your strokes, and it mm-hmm. talks about that, Alois. And you demonstrate showing if you're really tensing your shoulder, your voice even changes, and you really can't hit the ball that hard. But when you relax, you can you can see it in the video that you just relax. And your stroke's much more efficient, and you can hit the ball actually faster. Um, but so hands is saying, how do you take it from there? Is there a systematic way to develop a more relaxed and efficient way of playing once you realise that it's too tense? So I guess, like yep. you said, that's the first thing is to focus on it. And he also said he supposed this goes for both the physical side and the mental side of the game. Yeah, the, those those two are very closely related. There, the physical and the mental. Um, so. I think as far as a systematic approach, a good first way is to just do some swings without um, the ball. You know, even when you're walking along, um, just just to feel how little effort it takes to get the bat to swing through um, a stroke properly. So we're not talking about, you know, just uh, a sloppy movement where the the stroke doesn't happen the way you want it to. We're just talking about playing a forehand stroke like we show you. Um, but let's see how little effort you can take to make that um, to make that stroke just without the ball. Uh, you you can have your bat in your hand if you want or you don't have to. But um, but yeah, that's probably a really good first step. Once you 
have done that and really feel what that feels like, then you can go onto a table and start to hit the ball and just see if you can spot any differences between what was happening when you were swinging without the the ball and when you're swinging with the ball. Um, and then, you know, see if you can just get um, relate that back and, and keep focusing on how can I keep that more relaxed, easier, smoother, but still getting the bat to move in the correct path that you want it to. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, and, yeah, and like you said, in relation to that, how does that affect the mental side of the game? Yeah, so uh, the, the that tension usually comes from um, yourself putting uh, or putting yourself under pressure to hit that ball on the table um, mm. or to win the point. If there's no pressure to hit the ball um, on the table, then it's easy to make that swing. Um, so, you know, as I said, if the ball isn't even there, it's easy. I mean, um, you, you, you feel silly tightening up your shoulder when you're making that swing, but as soon as the ball's coming and then in your, in your mind, you're, you're worried about getting that ball on the table. You're worried about winning the point at a later stage. You're worried about winning that important point at a later stage, then you're worried about winning that match at a later stage, and then you're worried about, you know, can I win this tournament? Um, you know, so as you can see, you know, then the pressure builds up to to make that exact same swing that you were making when you're walking down the street without a bat or a ball in your hand. So, um, yeah, so that's that's where the mental side of it comes comes into it. Yeah, interesting. And so, um, yeah, so it's kind of like the precursor, often, the mental side, to you tightening up. Yeah, correct. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, reason, there's a reason why you're tightening up, and it's because you're, you're putting uh, yourself under pressure to execute something. Yeah, excellent. Well, great question, Hans. Um, yeah, and hopefully those um, suggestions there help you out. Yeah, so we'll put a link to that video, and but um, it was also got a video that we've done previously. So there's a couple of videos on this topic that um, we'll link link to. Yeah, I like the title of the the, the older one, "The Myth of Trying Hard." Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. yeah, very good. Um, and now next up is a question from Jason, who says, "Why do most people in this table tennis generation?" stop or why have they stopped using the traditional pen hold he says i still use it and but he rarely sees the top players using this grip so what are your thoughts on this alloys yeah well it it fell out of favor completely um i don't know maybe 10 15 years ago um because the the game had become a lot faster um and the backhand by the pen hold players just wasn't holding up um after that, uh, penholder started to develop the reverse penhold backhand, so that started to even up the playing field a little, little bit um, as far as you know being able to execute a backhand um, uh, more effectively as well. But I think still it's not as effective as a shake hand backhand, um, and so you know nowadays with the speed increasing, um, you know, and players are starting to play a lot more backhands as well. Um, yeah, so in general, you know, the, the penhold grip isn't that popular. I mean, having said that, um, you know, Zhu Jin is, um, is <laughs> pretty handy. He's pretty handy. But, 
he's he's exceptional as well, and you know his footwork is um, is unbelievable. Yeah, so you know to to have footwork at that level um, is a really difficult thing to achieve, and you almost need it if you're going to be playing um, at a good level uh, with the pinhole grip. And but and having said that though, too over the last two to three years, Shushin's made a really big effort to improve his backhand. Um, so his backhand's now much more of a weapon. So he's using the reverse uh, backhand um, a lot more than he used to three years ago. Um, and that's um, allowing him to stay at the top of the game as well. I remember had the opportunity to interview him at the Australian Open a couple of years ago and asked him that question. And he, you know, he said that, yeah, he's he feels like he just needs to um, develop his backhand now. Um Otherwise, he just won't keep up with the young with the young players. Yeah, indeed, that was that was good, huh? Being able to interview uh, Zuzin at the Australian Open. Yeah, one of the highlights, definitely. Yeah. Yep, being able to uh, talk to a to a legend like that. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. Like from like my thoughts are that if you're using a penhold and you're then switching to the reverse penhold, it it gives you a good backhand but yeah is it any better than the traditional backhand or like a shake hand grip sorry and then you've also got this now extra decision you've got to make when you're playing that am i going to use the normal penhold backhand and block it or am i going to use the reverse penhold backhand so maybe your decision making is even more complicated so maybe it's taking away one of the things that might have been an advantage anyway like that you don't have a area where you're switching so why not just use the shake hand yeah, exactly. I think you're, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, while you've got players like Zeus in there, you you can <laughs> you've got something to point at and say it's still pretty effective. There you are, exactly. Yeah, but a good question, interesting discussion point. Thanks, Jason. All right. Uh, next up is one from Bright who says, Alois, please tell me how to develop your weaker hand properly." Yeah. So I guess, Bright, the first question is, do we really need to or want to develop your uh, non-dominant hand? Oh, but uh, you've seen Timo Bowl switch and hit with the right. Surely we should be doing that. Yeah, once. Yeah, that's the <laughs> issue, though. Yeah. And I think and I think we see that um, in the highlights packages and, and feel like it's happening a lot. Um, I mean, he'd only switch hands, I don't know, you know, once every couple of matches probably. Um, and, if that. And, yeah, for, yeah, exactly, for one point. So, you know, is it worth the effort of trying to practice your weaker hand um, to, to try and win the match? I, do, I think from a tactical or technical point, I don't think it's worthwhile. Um, yeah, so if you had like half an hour every week yeah. to spend on your working, playing with your weaker hand, you feel you'd be better off spending that half an hour just training other parts of your game. Yeah, exactly. But I guess something does or can be said for, you know, just developing both sides of your body, you know, especially maybe with kids, younger, younger players um, as they're developing physically, you know, just to start just using the other hand sometimes just to um, just to, you know, try to develop the other side. Um, And sometimes when you just play around with it, um, it also just opens up your eyes or some possibilities of things that you can do 
um, with your dominant hand, perhaps. So, you know, I think for for the idea of just playing around um, and experimenting a little bit, maybe it's a good idea. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be thinking about playing or, or trying to develop a shot, you know, a stroke with your weaker hand in particular. Yeah, interesting. And, yeah, good, good question, Bright. Thank you for that one. All right, next question is from VJ, who says, I have discovered of late that while doing the pendulum side spin and top spin serves, lifting the elbow helps a great deal. In fact, it is crucial. As I started doing it consciously and making my stance more side on, a great deal of fluency seems to have flowed into his serve. He said, same with the backspin serves. Is he on the right track, Alloys? Yeah, so VJ, I think yeah, getting that elbow up high is a really... Uh, important and simple um, simple part of just developing that pendulum serve, especially the side spin serve. So by getting the elbow up high, it allows the forearm to swing like a pendulum, and that's where the name pendulum serve came from. Um, so getting that, um, that uh, pivot point up a bit higher allows... Uh, a better swing through with the forearm and then it also allows you to relax your wrist and your fingers and and then really whip through with um with the lower part of your arm um i think one other thing that i see a lot is that sometimes players will lift their elbow but then they'll also drag it down during the serve um it's important to try to keep that pendulum motion but keep the elbow up um, in a nice stable position uh during the swing as well. So, uh, so VJ, you're, you're it's like yeah. the base or the fulcrum, is it? Your elbow it and then is. the rest swings through from there. It is the fulcrum, Jeff. Look at you getting all scientific. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's your pivot point. That's your fulcrum that um, that your forearm is is swinging from. Um, that allows that real whip whip action to uh, to to come in. Yeah. And I guess the good thing about serving alloys is that you can really practice that anywhere, even if you're at home in lockdown and you don't even necessarily need a table. You could just practice your brushing contact and see how much spin you're getting. It's just something you can always work on. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's uh, that's a really good point, Jeff, at the moment, especially, you know, like if you haven't got a table, um, if you've got your bat and ball, just, um, just do some... Um, serving onto the floor just see what effect the ball's having on the floor or what yeah sorry what uh, <laughs> what path what path the ball's taking on the floor it probably doesn't got much effect on the floor at all um but yeah and just uh, see where it's going and you can really start to learn a lot about um what contact you're making and what effect that has on the ball now we've got a we've got a couple of videos but there's there's one a uh, really nice simple one in our um, training 101 series where we just talk about the um, the effects of or um, how to spin the ball um, that we'll link to as well. Excellent. Yeah, uh, great question, VJ, and really good to see you looking at different aspects of your game and seeing how you can improve it. And I think, you know, serves one that you can always, always work on and always get better at. Yeah, VJ's been uh, been a member with us for a long time and uh, often sends us some messages and, um, yeah. Yeah, so hello, VJ, and thanks for your continued support. Indeed. Indeed. All right, Alois, 
that wraps up the questions. And well, you know now it's I do indeed. OMG facts time. It is indeed. And the first fact is camels do not carry water in their humps. No, of course they do. That's why. <laughs> no, they don't. It's a fact. What, what, what have they got in there? They got like chocolate. <laughs> well. Cho- che- secret chocolate supply. Speaking of chocolate, a Hershey's Kiss contains 26 calories which takes five minutes of walking or about four minutes of kissing to burn off. <laughs> that's, 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 a good, that's a good fact. Five uh, minutes of walking. Yeah. One little Hershey's kiss. Yep, 26 calories. My goodness. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the good news is if you have 10 of them, you just need to walk for 50 minutes. So, or, oh. or kiss for 20. <laughs> uh, yes anyway um good 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 fact i like it <laughs> the number of possible ways of playing the force of the force the first four moves per side in a game of chess is yeah. 318 billion 979 million 564 thousand number the first four moves. Yep. So I guess the first move has to be a pawn, right? No. Have... Oh, no. You can... <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So become... Could be a pawn or a knight. Or a knight, yes. Mm. Okay. Wow, there you go. Yep. That's, and... that, that is, how, can you give me that number again, Jeff? I just want to check it because I'll, I'll go and uh, do, some, uh, do some moves tonight and just, just confirm them. Yeah, it's yeah. three hundred and eighteen billion nine hundred seventy-nine million five hundred sixty-four thousand. Wow, exactly five sixty-four thousand yeah. exactly. All right, okay. I'll, um, I'll let you know if there's any more than that that I can find tonight. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, you let y- me know. Y- yeah, and 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 using the, um, the um, chessboard that we made. That is a great <laughs> chessboard. It is. Yeah. With, have we got a picture of that up on our site? On the site? I think we put it on Facebook once. Yeah. Did we? Yeah. We need to get. We need to promote that chessboard more. Our woodwork skills, Jeff. You know what we should do is actually have a video game of us playing chess. Put it on YouTube. That'd be the shortest video ever. <laughs> uh, I've just got. I've just got two. Two more OMG facts, and then we're done. Yeah. Great. Come on. The strongest surface winds in the solar system are found in Melbourne, Australia. No, uh, uh, <laughs> are found on Neptune, where they have been measured at 1,500 miles per hour. Oh, that's fast. I, I reckon you'd get your washing dry pretty quickly in that sort of wind. <laughs> I reckon in no time at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Melbourne must be second, though, I think. Yeah, Melbourne's always windy. You're yeah. right. The windy city. Because we're down, we're down in the roaring forties or something. Is that where uh, I remember something like that from my geography days? I anyway, have no, I have no clue about that, but that no, sounds interesting. There yeah, there you go. All right, okay. And last fact: over fifty percent of the world's population lives within sixty miles from a sea coast. Oh, how many? What percent? Fifty percent. Over fifty percent. Wow. Lives within 60 miles from a seacoast. Yeah, I'd, I'd believe that because people sort of tend to 
to you know gravitate towards the the coasts and yeah uh, and i guess historically when they explored yeah they obviously went by boat and so they came off near there and yeah yeah water makes sense doesn't it water and yeah and when you're flying over places i mean you always see everything's congregated around the either the coast or any any uh waterways so yeah makes sense i like it omg facts there you go i like it there you go great stuff oh well thank you everyone for listening um we said in the last um when I emailed out, Alois, remember last time we forgot about that new segment? Yeah, so I said the show segment. was going to be great and yeah. people had to listen, and I think they're going to be pretty happy that they did. Wow. I mean, what a, what a great new segment. <laughs> exactly. And, and What's it know, called? Comment of the week. Comment of the week. Comment and that was pretty week. funny. That was funny. So we'll be looking for – it doesn't have to be a funny comment, just any comment. It might be something insightful. Yes. Uh, something that uh, will add to the show. So uh, we'll be looking for uh, comment of the week. And if we don't get one, then <laughs> this segment could be the shortest segment ever. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. So thank you for everyone listening. Make sure you check out the Ping Skills website, pingskills.com. And, of course, thank you, Alois. Thank you, Jeff. And you know what? It, now it's 5.30, Jeff. The sun's going down. It's time to go and put the chickens away. Indeed. Don't want to get eaten by a fox. No, exactly. Or, or snakes around here. Oh, snakes. Oh, I don't like snakes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye.